Hello, and welcome to At Home in Muskoka, a podcast by the Muskoka Community Land Trust. I'm your host, Sandy Martin. In today's episode, I'm joined by Brianna Goslin, a former educator and current mortgage agent with Pineapple Financial. She's a cheerleader for first-time home buyers and does a tremendous amount of work educating them individually and through her Homeowner AF podcast to get them ready for the massive leap that's buying a first home. Brianna lives in Bracebridge with her partner, two children, and enormous dog, Fozzie. You can donate to the Muskoka Community Land Trust by supporting the show on Patreon or on our website, muskokaclt.org, which is also where you'll find today's show notes. Thank you for coming on the show, Brianna. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So what I always want to start with is your path to Muskoka. So how, how has Muskoka come to be your home? Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a heavy question. Um, <laughs> so I grew up going to a summer camp uh, that was in my father's family. It was previously called Hollyburn. And it's in the Muskoka area. It's now Camp Uchigeis. And we spent a lot of amazing time there. And I became familiar with Bracebridge because we would go, we would say, we're going into town. And we'd go into Bracebridge and we'd um, get whatever, enjoy the downtown on our way before we would go back to Timmins, which, where, which is where I grew up. So I was familiar with Muskoka and, of course, had fallen in love with Muskoka as I was growing up. Uh, but moved to Oshawa, Ontario, uh, to start my first job as a French teacher. Fast forward 10 years, and my husband and I were looking for somewhere uh, to move out of the city during the pandemic with Mm -hmm. our two young children. And he's self-employed. He works as an accountant up here. And I was a French teacher at the time. And I thought, well, you know, I can gain employment wherever as a French teacher. So we decided to make the move up to Muskoka in July, 2021. And the rest, as they say, is history. We moved to Bracebridge with our young family and we're so, we feel very fortunate every day that we do live here. Yeah. Well, and I think that Muskoka is fortunate to have you here. Oh, well, thank you, Sam. It's the Mutual Admiration Society. Um, (laughs) So we know that you are a mortgage broker. And you, of course, have been through the process of buying a house yourself. But for those who maybe don't know or don't remember, what I'd love to hear from you is what does a mortgage broker know about their clients? (laughs) Well, I think what I do know about my clients and the questions that I ask my clients sometimes comes as a surprise to new clients or first-time home buyers because I do know quite a bit about the inner workings of my clients' financials and then often end up knowing a lot about their relationships and how things work within their home. But typically when I'm filling out an application or helping somebody fill out an application to apply for their first mortgage, I ask about their credit, their income, so their employment income, Uh, and any debts. Also, I ask about their savings, their assets. So I have a really holistic view of their finances. And now um, with the current economic climate, Mm -hmm. I end up having a bit of a window into their personal lives too, because things sometimes get kind of messy in financial stress. So 
right now I do know quite a bit about my clients in order to be able to support them. Well, and that leads me to the question I'm, I just, as soon as you talk about moving here in the middle of the pandemic and being in mortgages and housing for that period of time, you've seen such a rapid change. And again, for people who aren't really, you know, intimately aware of how the economic climate has changed, particularly for home buyers, do you think maybe you could give us a little breakdown? I don't want to put you on the spot, but in the past no, two I'd years or so, to. what's happened? <laughs> this is my my bread and butter, Sandy. I love chatting about this stuff. My husband's going to be so happy I'm speaking to somebody else about it. Um <laughs> So when we're qualifying somebody for a mortgage, we look at three things. Like I said, we look at the income, we look at the credit, and we look at the down payment. And we kind of need to have a healthy picture of all three to be able to qualify somebody for a mortgage. So back in January, say January 2021, when we had very, very low interest rates, and even somebody who doesn't know anything about mortgages and housing, if you're listening to what's going on on the news, since then, interest rates have rapidly increased because the Bank of Canada has been raising the overnight lending rate. You don't need to know that. All you need to know for this purpose is that this is making qualifying for a mortgage much harder. So I'll give you some rough numbers. In January 2021, we were qualifying clients at a rate of 5.25%. Now that may sound a bit high, but that was part of the stress test, which was a test to protect these massive loans, which is a mortgage that people are taking out because interest rates were much lower than that. So the government said, okay, let's make sure that people can qualify at 5.25% or 2% above their current interest rate, whichever one is higher. And the 5.25% was way higher than the interest rates at the time. So great. Mm -hmm. People were qualifying at that amount. Fine. We'd look at, say, a family making $80,000 a year at that rate would qualify for $381,000 for purchase price. Okay. So that was January, 2021. Now, September, 2023, we're qualifying clients around 8%, 8.5% sometimes. So that translates for the same family making $80,000. They now only have $290,000 to play with for purchase price. Mm -hmm. So we have that that's stacked against home buyers and families looking to buy homes because let's remember now there's not just single people buying homes there's families pooling their funds we also have inflation which is now stacked against these individuals and families trying to buy homes because the funds that would have went to saving a down payment are now going to gas and food costs and rent costs if they're renting Mm -hmm. and then the third kind of tier that people are battling against is the supply issue, which is driving up price. So that $380,000 mortgage maybe would have been sufficient to get you into a place before the pandemic. Now, with the supply issue and demand, which is still so strong, the prices have gone up so high that what you could qualify before won't even touch the prices now, never mind what's happened with interest. with interest rates. So all that to say, I've painted a pretty bleak picture 
for a family who really does have quite a healthy income. Yeah. That would have been sufficient only two years ago. Absolutely. Mm. So now there's a, a kind of secondary effect of this because that family's still renting. Yeah. So as the window for first time home buyers shuts, these people who are coming into the market as people living independently are renting as well. So now it's becoming very difficult to obtain a home even through renting. Yeah. And of course, you know, again, for the people who aren't really paying attention kind of down to the granular level of what's happening in housing, that for sure is something that people know, right? The housing Mm -hmm. crisis, it's hard to find a place you can afford. It's hard to afford the place. It's hard to, you know, get a place to rent. So, okay. Yeah. That is a pretty bleak picture. Are you seeing, (laughs) are you seeing any surprising success stories oh absolutely so this that's the reality right and i always uh, tell my clients i care about your problems tell me about your problems but that's not my biggest issue or my biggest goal it's to overcome the problems and to find a solution so in my space where i'm seeing clients become successful with home ownership it's those who have an open mindset so I've had some clients who have obtained home ownership by bringing a co-signer onto their application, which can sometimes be tricky, but is a really great strategy for a lot of people. I've seen um, people pool their funds. Um, multi-generational living is something that's happening all over Canada now. Um, and that's a great way to be able to raise the funds to obtain home ownership. So there's all sorts of different things that are happening. People investing um in other markets to be able to grow their money lots of stuff is happening if people are willing to kind of open their mind to what is possible but i would still maintain that it's very very difficult for the average person who doesn't have flexibility in their lifestyle to obtain home ownership yeah now i I, this is really going to put you on the spot because i didn't even send this as a question ahead of time but do you have a sense of what might be needed, not just on the individual level, but on the community or, I mean, provincial, federal level to, to oh, address this? Well, absolutely. It's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a big question, but it's a big problem, right? And I really do think it does start at the community level. Ultimately, the government, the federal government, the provincial government, they're going to do what they're going to do, right? Policy is going to be what it's going to be. But I think that that mindset piece is something that is actually really, um, really fixable at the community level. And I think that advocacy for affordable housing and putting a face to um, what's happening and having the stories of people um out there, like the Circles podcast. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you're familiar with it. I am. I think that's an incredible way to kind of put a human, to make it human, to make the issue human. Because so my background as an educator, I see the effect of housing and the housing crisis every day, right, on the ground. And I think that if people knew, they'd be more apt to help. And then when that happens, then we can see some positive uh, governmental change because you can vote in the way that um, will be advantageous to the causes that 
you care about, right? So I think that um, absolutely talking about affordable housing and sharing stories and kind of getting people on our side to understand on our side. I'm putting you on my side, Sandy. <laughs> I want to um, say every day, Brianna. <laughs> But really, I, th I think that advocacy is a huge piece of, of something that we can start today in the community yeah. and that anybody listening to this podcast who's interested in um, advocating for affordable housing in their community, it just talk to your neighbors because there are things that, and I'm sure things that you're going to share through this podcast that people can get involved in, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm so interested in the mental space that is freed up when people aren't constantly worried about the security and stability of their housing situation. Like there is so much untapped human potential in mm -hmm. our, in, across the globe, but in our community specifically, people who, you know, you mentioned the Circles Walls Within podcast and the Bridges Out of Poverty that, that kind of it pairs up, kind of goes hand in hand with Circles, that what I learned from that um, teaching is how much mental capacity it takes up to deal with the things that come with poverty. Like, I mean, like housing and security and those things. So when we specifically talk about housing and if there are community solutions, I am so excited for how many people can be freed up just to live their life. Like, I don't think people have to be productive to be worthwhile and valuable, but like, imagine the businesses they could start and the community service organizations they could join and the like there's well, yeah it's really looking at people as holistic individuals like multifaceted individuals right because yeah. affordable housing financial resilience food insecurity these are all things that um, unfortunately affect the same subsect of people um, for whom housing is becoming unattainable so let's just let's take care of our people right and let's empower them um to be able because really if you're worried about all of these things that we take for granted that some people other people take for granted wake up being able to have and they have kind of a baseline of being able to do the things that they want to do but if you're worried about eating and if you're worried about where you're going to sleep at night you don't you just don't have the same advantage as everybody else does and i think that really is just the human aspect of leveling the playing field yeah yeah and it's it uh, you know a healthy a housed community is a healthy community and i think people sometimes when we kind of back to the point of creating awareness about housing in particular but all of these parts of being a human in our world I think sometimes people are stuck in a mindset of handouts. Like if I, if I help that person, it's just me losing something and them gaining something. And I think we need to change that mindset, which is, I think, incorrect into what I think the correct mindset is, which is actually we all benefit when we're, when exactly. we're all doing better. I actually mater materially benefit from my neighbor being secure and healthy and in a, you know, in a good place mentally. Like, I think all of us could spend some time reflecting on that and the world would be a better place. I mean, we're not fixing the world together, Brianna. We're just not, but. <laughs> well, I got big dreams, Sandy. We'll see about that. <laughs> but I really do think that moving away from the mine versus yours mentality mm. and then adopting kind of a community 
a stance on things and um, yeah, encircling the community with all of these great resources that we have and ensuring that um, everybody is benefiting. And I think that, yeah, by housing our community, that everybody then can rise together. And I think that's that's kind of what needs to be adopted by the greater public is that we all rise together instead of mine, yours, scarcity mindset, there will never be enough for us because there is, there's more than enough, right? Yeah. There's absolutely more than enough. And I just think that's what needs to come to the surface, surface for people. Yeah. Oh, these are my kind of conversations, Brianna. So, I mean, the, the question that I say is the closing question, but it never really is because there's so much to talk about here, but I would love to know what, big or small thing is giving you hope right now. It's, I mean, particularly in the concept, you know, that we're just talking about here, but it doesn't have to be what, what just, what's giving you hope right now? Well, I'll give you kind of two answers to your question, Sandy, which I think is such a beautiful question because there is so much good. Um, even though I started with painting a very bleak picture, there's so much good going on. And I think mm -hmm. uh, micro are these conversations that I'm having with people like you in my industry, which I'm fairly new to the industry and was told, oh, real estate's so cutthroat and um, you're going to meet all sorts of personalities. And yes, I have, but I've met some people who really care about the communities in which they serve which makes me so hopeful from all the way from mortgage agents to real estate agents, to developers, to just incredible people doing amazing things. So macro level, the people or micro level, the people, I know that there's people doing good things and I know that there's people that care because I'm friends with them and I have conversations with them and I find that very life-giving and exciting. But then when I kind of zoom out and look at the macro level, I see Gen Z and they're just, they're an incredible generation. And I think that the strength that they have and that they can harness uh, using their, their technical skills, their open mindset, um, they're just so, so giving as individuals. And I think that that generation, um, which is the generation behind me is really going to bring some positive change in our communities. And I think that the way they see things is uh, much more community minded than individualistic. So I'm, I'm thrilled to support any um, young people who are interested in these initiatives, because I think that they'll do amazing things. Oh, I am so glad we're having, I mean, I'm just really glad to talk to you, but that is such a life-giving perspective. I feel so good. I just, and I know those things are true, but you saying them out loud, yeah, that gives me hope too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, kids are kids. I've been in the schools. I've taught <laughs> all sorts of all kinds of kiddos, but really, I think that <laughs> at their hearts, that the ways of thinking that children and young people today are adopting are really going to change our world. And I feel very honored that I'm able to, to be a part of it. And, but I just think that the rest of us, we just need to get on board. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We can't be the generation that like puts our thumb down on the ones below us. You know, I think we no. can learn so much from letting them just letting them go, you know? Absolutely. I mean, also I have teenagers in my house that I would also like to literally let them go. But <laughs> Godspeed, good soldier. Listen, listen, two things can be true at the same time. Exactly, right? Well, this is fantastic. I mean, you have encapsulated some of the stuff that I've been thinking and you just put it into 
much better words. So I can see. Oh, you I love back. that for us, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. I could, yeah, I could just talk your ear off all day. I know we're both uh, busy ladies. So this was very nice to get to sit down and chat with you. I'm really glad that we did it. And I hope that we keep seeing hope in the very small things and in the very big things, even while, you know, against the backdrop of the, of the bleak picture, we know that there's hope happening at the same time. So thanks for the reminder. Anytime. Thank you for joining us for this episode of At Home in Muskoka, a podcast by the Muskoka Community Land Trust, a nonprofit dedicated to place-based, sustainable solutions to local needs, including housing, food security, social enterprise, and community spaces. Visit muskokaclt.org to learn more, donate, and to get involved.